Hello, I'm Martin. And I'm Angelina. And this is the CX Cast. Welcome back to the CX Cast. I am joined, as ever, by Angelina. Hello, Angelina. Hello again, Martin. And we're also joined by Gail Russell from HSBC. I'll let Gail introduce herself in a sec, but Gail joined us at our CXMA conference a couple of months ago and talked about managing customer experience in a brand of the scale of HSBC. And she's going to repeat some of what she shared with the audience there to great feedback from the conference. So welcome to the podcast, Gail. Thank you, Martin, and thank you for inviting me back uh, to share the HSBC CX story. I'll, I'll start by introducing myself. So I'm the Global Head of Customer Experience for HSBC, um, and that's working across our consumer banking division. So that covers uh, wealth and also personal banking. You mentioned, Martin, there around the scale of the business, just to, um, yeah. to bring that to life. So we serve over 38 million customers globally. We uh, serve those customers across 51 markets and that covers everything. So that's thinking about young persons accounts, students, all the way through the full continuum through to private banking. So a huge spectrum of customers globally. And, and if I think about the global split, actually, just to round it out, we have about a third of our customers in Asia. Um, we have about a third in the UK, a fifth across the Americas, and then the remainder across the rest of the world. So we've got this real unique opportunity and challenge to look at customer experience across that really broad demographic and across all of those markets. But it gives us a really unique insight into trends um, and understanding how to manage that at scale and that complexity. Does your team all sit in the UK or are they spread out across Asia and the Americas as well? Yeah, the team are split. So the HSBC model, so I um, run the global business. The team is, is, is spread across London and Hong Kong predominantly. We have some of our team also in India and China. And then across the, the markets that we focus on, and out of those 51 markets, we've got to focus on really the top 15. And in each of those markets, we will have customer experience teams that sit within those markets as well. So we have a global lens and the global team sit across the UK and Hong Kong. That's where our scale businesses are. And, and then the, obviously the teams that sit in the markets as well. So we have a good spread. And I think that's important because it allows the people in those locations to understand some of those cultural nuances as well, which is really important when it comes to designing experiences or really understanding what we need to do in each of those markets. So that global scale thing is something we recognize very strongly from a lot of practitioners we talk about. And, and I want to kind of get into a bit of that later, the tension between local market needs and, and global strategy. But can we start with customers? One of the big themes of the conference was empathy and empathizing with customers. But you talked about like 51 markets and 15 primary markets. How do you, how do you go about understanding needs in such a diverse portfolio? Yeah, it's a great it's a great question. I think with the global team and then also across those different markets, we've got access to a lot of customers, of course, and we've also got access to staff. And I think we probably follow quite a traditional approach to it, but it's the scale of what we need to do that that makes it, I think interesting. So we would look at, you know, understanding customers from customer research. Now that could be through surveys that we do continuously um, from our existing customers. It could be online communities that we've created or focus groups or other methods that allow us to really understand customer and customer behavior and preferences. And we've also got, of course, a lot of data 
and, and unlike some, some other industries, banking has a lot of data on spending habits, transaction history, lots of interesting metrics that we can also that helps us identify patterns and some trends and often we can get caught up in that sometimes we often have a lot of data and we can get lost in that but from that I think what's important is how do you create clusters or segments and spot those trends now classically we've we've used personas we don't always go down that route but the important thing is to try and understand specific needs and preferences and behaviours around different types of, of customer groups. So we use a combination of all of that to really explore and understand. What we're finding more recently is if we create more timely online communities, and I know a lot of different industries have been doing this, it helps us build up an ongoing conversation with customers and also staff. So we find a good way to engage both and therefore do some quick rapid testing of concepts but also get into some real details so it's almost modernizing how we think about doing customer research and we found that really helpful we've done quite a lot of that around our international customer base international obviously hsbc is one of the the truly leading global international banks and how we understand the needs of international customers is quite nuanced so having a lot of access to speak to customers on a regular basis is, is very helpful and, and actually much more agile and flexible. So I think it's about regular often and being really pointed about that behavior and the preference and insights. We don't always get it right, but I think it's an ongoing iterative process as well. So am I right in understanding that while you have ensured that you have access to a lot of data on a lot of different customer types based on the purpose at hand, you are pulling the data and deriving the insights that are purposeful. Like, what do we need to solve for now? We don't need a hundred personas right now. We need to solve for three, four, five personas. Is, is that correct? Yeah, I think that's right. And we try to also consider, like what I mentioned at the beginning, you know, wealth and personal banking, we're going across that full continuum. And therefore, to your point, at different points in that customer's life, they need different things. So if you try and boil the ocean and understand everything at once, you tie yourself in knots. So we will look at very particular business strategies, exam questions we want to address in the business and narrow down on that and go deeper on a very particular area. And, and then designing and testing for that. And we find that gets us the best results and allows us to be agile and, and iterate as well. Often in the past, what I've seen happening in, in, in previous organizations and in, in the early stage of my career, you could spend a lot of time doing very detailed research and and it's just elongating the process of actually starting to truly design something build something and test something so we tr try and be as targeted as possible so i'm i've worked in many different agile organizations i'm a big fan of lean lean startup all that kind of thing and i think that that very much resonates with me but like tangibly how do you one of the, one of the big gaps we see from a lot of clients is taking that insight about customers and then applying it in a very tangible way, whether that's journey design, app design, whatever. How, how are you making that happen? How are you getting developers, for instance, to look at consumer insights and say, ah, right, we should build and design in this kind of way? I think we're still we're still learning a big part of it now as part of my my remit also does cover um, design as you mentioned Martin and I think that's important you know taking an end-to-end -end journey approach isn't new but often organizations say that and they don't really organize themselves in that way or create accountabilities in that way if 
when we're building and, and often we're investing in digital journeys, mobile app journeys and browser journeys. And if we have the right team of people around that, let's say we're, we're looking at a, a credit card onboarding journey, we will have a lot of insight and, and your question was, how do we make sure that we can cut through that and really make it tangible and deliver to it? And I think it is around the process and having the right skill sets and a fully stacked design team working alongside the business teams and the technology teams and doing that early on to really think about an end-to-end journey fully through, so, so from, from start to finish from a customer perspective, but also from front to back from a business, from a, an organizational perspective. And by that, I mean like a truly service design approach because it allows you to then think about the interactions, the service interactions, the different channels and what you want that experience to be. And if you're really tight on what you're solving for or what the behaviors are, and, and a good example could be international, I mentioned it, an international customer that is moving to a new country will not have a credit history in that new country but they may have banked with HSBC for a number of years how do we ensure that when that customer lands in their new country they're able to apply for a product such as a credit card and that we take into account their credit history and their credit rating from their prior country how do we design that experience and that's a good example of being very targeted and then really looking at that full end-to-end journey and it's not just about the steps of the process in a digital inf- infrastructure, you know, it's like five screens, 10 clicks. It's understanding that front to back servicing aspect because we'll have to pull information from operations teams, from different teams to understand and pull across that credit history. So we have to think practically around that team of people that are organized in squads around these particular challenges and if you get that right up front and you pull the right people together and we think truly end to end in our design we've been successful it's not easy and we've not always got it right but I think we're getting better at that that methodology and that approach I was going to ask I mean you think globally there could be a lot of stakeholders that you want to pull in do you find it's easy in your environment to get folks to lean in and and help with the design process, even if they're, you know, not designers themselves, they're stakeholders and other functions. Yeah, I think what's happened over the last probably 18 months is setting a fire and setting the right level of ambition for customer experience across HSBC. And that helps set set that North Star so that when we come to looking at, like you say, how do we really make sure that everybody's thinking about that journey in end-to-end design, you know, we've got people in operations, some of the quality assurance and the test in the process are now feeding back to us saying we think this could be better or did you know this part of the process we could improve or we think this testing this hasn't been part of the requirements but we could improve it by doing ABC so I think when we get the right engagement across the organization we're, we're seeing that happen that wasn't always the case and, and and some of the teams even such as HR finance risk would not necessarily see themselves as part of the solution for designing a great customer experience but everybody is is part of it and and maybe not frontline or maybe not one step removed they may not be designing products or journeys 
but everybody has a part to play in it. And I think that's a big part of this cultural message across customer experience. And, and we're very much at the start of that process, but we're starting to see you know, operations, technology, really wanting to understand what is NPS, Net Promoter Score? What are some of the other measures that we need to look at around customer experience? How does my role impact that? How do I really help in that way? So I'm seeing some real signal changes around that, which is great. So I think it's, there's a lot of stakeholders, but we've, we've got, we've got good engagement now across a lot of the key functions. And you mentioned MPS, so you've kind of preempted where I was going to go with the next question, really, which is, uh, are, you, are you, are you going as far as embedding customer centric metrics into like operational staff's goals? How, how do you, how do you think about metrics? So the answer is, Yes, I think that's setting that North Star vision that everyone in the organisation, everyone that's working across wealth and personal banking has a part to play in delivering customer experience. And, and setting that that set of metrics, we've set um, Net Promoter Score as our hero metric. Uh, we want to understand how we are, how our customers are, are rating us versus the competition. And of course, we've got a lot of other metrics we'd use that are much more timely and not as lagging as a strategic NPS measure. But everybody is understanding that now and everyone understands the bank's ambition around that. And that opens up and starts the dialogue. Does a NPS target for operations make sense for everybody? No, everybody has a part to play in reaching that, but how do you therefore make more meaningful measures appropriate, I guess, more relevant for operations? So it may well be about processing time. So it could be about the time for a journey to complete. So we'll have additional measures and metrics in place for different journeys and for different functions, but everybody now does have a customer experience measure as part of their objectives and key results and as part of their balance scorecard. And that's a real step change, again, showing that everybody in the organization has a real role to play. But you're being thoughtful of, it's not just everybody's got NPS at target. It's what, what can I do that impacts the customer experience rather than just asset hero metric? Yeah, we started with the hero metric and then you, I guess we're like making that, taking it down a level and that's easier in some functions than others, but it's important. And that's why I think taking an end-to-end journey approach is very helpful because when you take a truly end-to-end journey, you see what role, whether it is design or technology building something, whether it is operations, it could be a second line risk decision that's been taken. It could be around how we do a credit scoring. There are many component parts that will drive that journey. So taking a journey lens helps us make the measures relevant. So you're right, Martin, we're not being blunt and binary and just saying everybody has NPS. We're making it more refined and, and building that on, on journeys. I would say we're, we're relatively immature at this at this stage, but we've made good progress this year in seeing some of those results. I mean, it makes a lot of sense to make it a best practice sense. If you if we got our colleague Maxie on who covers measurement, she would absolutely say back this. And she, she has a whole talk track about the fact that measuring measuring everyone on customer experience is like measuring a pilot on landing a plane it's like just it's just something you do you don't get it wrong but i like the idea of making it very very tangible that like my bit in this end-to-end experience is to answer that call as quickly as i can or make sure the credit score goes through really quickly rather than it's all about mps so it feels very tangible and actionable yeah i think that's i think that's right as you know nps is i think it's it's a good tool but it's it's not the only thing and sometimes people can get uh, tied up in being trying to be too forensic about what's really driving strategic NPS and some of it's more art than science. You can't always answer every single piece of every single reason people are 
people are answering for many reasons like there's a you know, large brand impact what's happening in the marketplace what's happening in different cases so hence why I really like to try and make things as tangible as possible because it allows us to take action see a result and and keep moving forward and in every small win if you're doing that across imagine you know a second line of defense risk colleagues operations colleagues and people understand their role everyone has a huge huge impact over time and so that's definitely the approach that that we've been taking over last year and it's working how are you getting these diverse stakeholders to sort of understand the the process behind improving these journeys so there's governance to this right there's determining the best path forward what's going to have the biggest impact on our cx measures what we go forward with versus what's a shiny object did that require a little bit of education from the cx team to these shareholders or stakeholders sorry and, and what did that look like for sure it did and i think it was important when we set up some of the the work around setting that ambition often we can be quite internally focused so one of the key the key pieces was how do we educate where we are today so yes it might be obvious where we have gaps versus a competition so we might not have a particular you know wealth product or a particular uh, I don't know, retail banking product in our, you know, it, the ability to open that or service it in a mobile app. And we'd say that's a gap, we should have it. What's less obvious of often is where we have something that exists, but it's way like the, the experience in our journey is extremely clunky. And, and we might know that as well. Of course, we might get that through complaints data or other feedback data. What we often didn't do was understand how that compares to the market that you're in and the competition and is that really important for customers because it may be for example that every single financial player in that particular market has a clunky process for payments because it is the way that it is and therefore we could choose to invest in that and make it the best in market but we might choose not to and having that view of where we benchmark versus a competition and what's important to customers is really important and it's been an important part of that education process in a way so your question around how have we engaged and did the customer experience team do some of that they did i think we educated a bit on what is nps and why is it important and what does it give us and we also educated more in and what do we do around design and designing journeys and this is particularly in the digital space and and what do we look like versus the competition that was a real game changer because it allowed the cx teams in market to have an influence over which journeys should be invested in it's not no longer just you know, we think this is more important as HSBC, it's that we are significantly behind the competition and our process and our journey here is really terrible. We need to invest to improve it. And, and that's helped us go back and fix some basic things that were broken. And often we are chasing the shiny new or the gap. Looking at that external views helped us go back and say, we must fix this. We are the worst in market or we are the bottom quartile. We need to be top quartile. We need to be best in market. So it's probably been a two-pronged attack of educate and customer experience in general and design thinking, and then also look at external benchmarking to help us see where we are. And then given that you are this this global organization, how how do you see through the, the governance at the at a global scale? How do you kind of approach that challenge? A lot of what we're doing 
around transactional banking and some of our standard products. I and mean, if you think banks have been around for hundreds of years and the products and services we've been providing, we know what they are and we know what customers, customers' expectations are changing, but we understand that. So while market, a market in Asia may think they're different to a market in, in Mexico, and yes, culturally there are differences and there may be different products, often the processes and the design frameworks can be very similar. So we do a lot of work at a global level to manage against a set of customer experience standards and design standards. We also look at a model which is sort of 70-20-10, where we'd say 70% is global and fixed, and, and we set the standards and guardrails for that. 20% may be customised, and that'll be customised again within a framework. So again, we don't leave it all open so that we have no consistency. So that 20% maybe there's option A, B or C, and we design the journey with that in mind. And then 10% is very localised. And that can be a bit around regulation, but often we use that as a bit of a an excuse to try and do many, many different things. So we take the 70-20-10 model and therefore, and then we manage around that and we manage a lot of digital change globally. So we're looking at value streams where we're building to that model and we build once and deploy many times with minimal customization where possible. And that helps us govern back to my external benchmarking view, govern to be best in practice, best in class and be top of markets um, or top quartile or, or best in that market, depending where we've set our, our site. And then it allows us to be efficient and managing that global governance so we understand when we're not adhering to the global standards or the CX standards and we set up governance around that. Of course, there are in every of our 51 markets and our priority markets, we would be running and managing the day-to-day almost run the bank business as usual through local governance. So we'll have you know, customer forums, customer governance, looking at all the changes we're making, look at the feedback from customers, our NPS scores, complaints, et cetera. So we, we manage that locally and then we manage the change globally. I think that that 70-20-10 piece really resonated with me and a lot of the clients who listened to your speech at the conference as well, that it's, it's how you cut through global complexity with local markets saying, oh yeah, but we're different, we're special, we have to have all these special things while driving kind of speed, scale, repeatability. I think it's just a, a genius way of looking at it. And it's easy to say and hard to do. And I think the one piece that is important an important learning in that space is to enable that to happen, you need to ensure you spend enough time in discovery meaning that you really understand when you're creating that global framework that 70 percent that you have done enough discovery looking at multiple markets now we're not going out and doing detailed discovery across 51 markets but we're choosing enough and we're building an expertise and back to the earlier question around where are the teams based, having teams of designers and having teams of CX experts in those markets allows us to do that. But it's a really important point because otherwise people don't believe or there's no credibility or how do you really drive a global model? So there's a lot of upfront work to really get a clear and really sound understanding of the 70%. Otherwise, every market says, no, we need more than 20% to customize because we're different. It needs to be 50%. So unless you've done, until you've done the real due diligence and the detailed discovery, that's always, and, and my experience previously has been if you don't do that, you have an ongoing discussion that goes round in circles between, glo- between global teams and, and local teams. 
Exactly, exactly. This has been fascinating. And I know we're, you know, we've, we've done probably about 25 minutes of this. We could carry on talking about this all day, but I'm going to draw us to a bit of a conclusion and, and not take up too much more of your time. So thank you, Gail, for sharing some of this, these insights. Thank you again for attending the conference and being on stage with us. Thank you for kind of repeating some of that here. Yes. Thank you, Gail. We are so happy you could join us. Great. Thank you both. Um, I hope it's been it's been insightful and useful. Uh, we are we're certainly um, on a really exciting journey in HSBC. We're we're learning a lot um, as we move forward uh, e each month, um, and I think we've made some you know we make some good progress. And and we have a unique opportunity, as I mentioned at the start, with the scale of our business, the number of our customers, the breadth of the markets we're in, to really do things differently and shift the dial and really deliver internationally you know, world leading customer experience. And that's our aim. So thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to chat to you again. And thank you to producers Ellie and Julia, without whom none of this would happen. If you want to get in touch, email us at cxcast at forester.com. As always, you can find us at forester.com or on your favorite podcast platform. Don't forget to like and subscribe and tune in next time for more CX Insights.